how many would agree with Pastor Josh that, especially in the generation that we live in, there's a lot of selfishness and individualism. You look on Facebook and there's, and we've all done it, and I've done it too, so I'm not knocking it, but there's a lot of individualism, a lot of selfies, you know, lots of them. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of, uh, I can make it all by myself, I don't need anybody to help me. You know. Uh, we even have that mindset in church sometimes. We use lingo like, I'm going to come to church to get my blessing. <laughs> How many ever heard that? I'm going to come to church to get my breakthrough. I'm going to come to church to get my word. I, and we even, and even what we say, it's my Jesus. You know, my Jesus, my personal relationship. See how individualism, individualistic it sounds? Jesus referred to the Father as our Father because he understood the principle of community and togetherness. Now, of course, Jesus is our personal Savior, and there's a personal element to it. But I hope that you understand the mindset that's being created, especially in our culture and in the church, is that there's this individualism and that there's selfishness that we don't need help, we can do it ourselves, and it's really about us. And you know, some things have never changed. The apostles dealt with it just as much as we've dealt with it. And you look at it, and this is what's interesting to me, in Luke chapter 22, verse 14, I just want you to see this, and it's important that you see this. In the same chapter, in the same chapter, the Bible says that the hour had come and all the apostles were gathered to him, verse number 15, and Jesus begins to speak to them. Now, the context here is the Last Supper. Everybody shout, the Last Supper. So Jesus is getting ready to eat with them. Everybody say, Last Supper. Everybody see, he's going to eat with them. And now, I want you to see what happens here. Jesus is at the Last Supper. He's going to eat with the disciples. And then verse number 24, Luke 22, verse uh, uh, 24, the Bible says there was a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. Now, they're eating together, they're fellowshipping together, and at the table of communion at the table of unity, at the table of community, there is a dispute. At the table of fellowship, there's a dispute. At the table of togetherness, there is a dispute. The point of it is, is when your priority is power, you will always cancel out community. When your priority is power, you will cancel out community. They're sitting at a table, they're eating with Jesus, and then as they're eating, they broke out in an argument and a dispute about who would be considered the greatest. Because when your priority is power, you will cancel out community. And what community does, a togetherness, it, 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 it diminishes the power element. Because we are to consider one another before ourselves. We are to put one another before ourselves. And when power is our objective, when power is our priority, it will diminish community. Because when there's true community involved in a church, there is a genuine love to put other people before ourselves. 
and it diminishes this hierarchy of somebody needing power and being egotistical and desiring recognition. And that's exactly what's happening here. And that is why God has called the church to be a community, a body of believers that considers, uh, considers our brother and our sister even before ourselves. It's interesting that arguments started to break out at the table of fellowship. It still happens today. It still happens in our community. It still happens among our body. When we set down the fellowship, there's always a dispute found among us. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to be careful that we limit those disputes and arguments. We've got to be very careful that our arguments and our dispute doesn't cancel out the spirit of community in the church. You see, I want you to notice something that Jesus said in verse 31. Don't lose me because this is so very important. Luke 22, 31. Look at what Jesus says. They're at the table. And then Jesus looks at Simon, who is called Peter. He says, verse 31, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Now look at verse 32. He then says, but I have prayed for you. Now let's stop here. I didn't know this, but this is what's really interesting about this verse. If you go to verse 31, 31, he says, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. Do you see the word you there in verse 31? If you have your Bible, you can circle it or make notes. The word you there in the Greek, the original translation, is actually translated plural. So it's you all. So let's just substitute that and say this. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you all. Satan is asking for all of you at the table. Now get what's happening here. Jesus is at the head of the table. There's 12 disciples. They're all eating and fellowshipping. They're, getting, they're, they're partaking of the Last Supper. There's a dispute among them at the table. The unity is disrupted. Jesus starts to have this conversation, looks at Simon and says, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to sift all of you. That's what it means. Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for all of you. But this is what's interesting about verse 31 and 32. Now don't lose me. Verse 31 is plural. Indeed, Satan has asked for all of you or you all. Then in verse number 32, but I have prayed for you. In the Greek, it's singular. Now that didn't make sense to me. Let's stop here. Verse 31, he says, Satan has desired all of you. But in verse 32, Jesus says, I'm praying for you, Simon. Now that doesn't make sense. Why is Jesus saying Satan is desiring every one of you, but he's only praying for Peter? Satan desires who? Everyone. But Jesus says, who am I praying for? I'm only praying for you, Simon. Now, to help us understand why Jesus would say such a thing, I believe we need to look at the Scriptures. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 42, John 1, 42, Jesus, uh, he was brought to Jesus, the Bible says, and now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you're Simon, son of Jonah, but now I'm going to call you Peter. I'm going to call you a rock. Jesus changes Peter's name, or Simon's name to Peter. So everybody shout this out with me. Jesus changes his name. From Simon to Peter. And the word Peter means a stone or a rock. 
The Bible also says in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, that great declaration that Peter made, that you are the Son of God. The Bible says, and I also say to you, that you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So let's stop here. Go back to Matthew, or excuse me, Luke 22 and 31. Now let's put it together. Luke 22, 31. Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for all of you. Okay, it's, it's plural in the Greek. Verse 32, Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. Who's you? Simon. So why would Jesus say I'm praying for Peter or Simon when everyone is, is going to be tempted of the devil? When everybody is going to be sifted of the devil, but Jesus says I'm only praying for Peter. Because I believe, as we have seen in John chapter 142, I believe the scriptures indicating that Peter is a rock. Jesus changed his name to Simon to Peter, a rock. Peter was going to be a leader. And Jesus is trying to make the implication here that if Satan gets you, Peter, he gets the rest of them. If Satan gets you, Peter, he's going to get the rest of them. Satan desires all of you. But Peter, I'm praying for you because you're the rock. You're going to be a leader. And if Satan gets you, Peter, he's going to get to the rest of the disciples. My point is this, ladies and gentlemen, the enemy is strategically after leadership because he knows there's people under your care and if he can get you, he can get everybody under your authority. Somebody say amen. He's after leadership. Jesus said that in Matthew 26, 31. Jesus made a reference to this, this leadership principle. Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. The word stumble means all of you will be offended. All of you will be have offense because of me tonight. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. When the shepherd is struck, the sheep will be scattered. You see, Jesus is indicating a principle here. Peter, I am praying for you because you have influence over the disciples. And if the enemy can sift you as wheat, if the enemy can bring you down, if the enemy can bring you to a place where you give up, you're going to have influence on the other disciples. Satan is after all of you, but I'm praying for you, Peter, because you're a leader. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you are a father, if you are a husband, if you are a leader, then you need to take your responsibility very highly because there are people that's watching your life. And then the enemy is after leadership. We should pray for our leaders. We should uphold our leaders. We should cover them in prayer because if the shepherd is struck, the sheep will be scattered. Somebody say amen. Satan is after all of you, but he's after you, Peter. He's after you. Because he knows that if he can get to you, Peter, the rest of you will follow. Verse number 32, Luke chapter 22, 32, he says, Simon, I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Your faith would not fail. It's, it's the word which means your faith would not be eclipsed. It, it, would, not, it would not be blocked. Because that's what an eclipse is. The moon covers the sun. He's saying, I pray that your faith would not be blocked. I pray that there's not a stumbling block by your faith. You need to hold on to your faith, Peter. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to Pastor Josh. We live in a culture where Christians are going crazy over praying for cars. They're praying for clothing. They're praying for more money. We're so materialistic. We're going after Jesus said, don't, don't go after those things. 
the very thing that the enemy is after. The enemy is not after your house. He's not after your car. He's not after your clothes. He's after your faith. Because if he can get to your faith, he can get to your worship. And if he can get to your worship, he can get to your heart. Somebody say amen. He's after your faith. That's what he's after. He's after your faith. He ain't after your car or your house. He ain't after your spouse. He's after your faith. He's after your faith. He says, I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith would not fail. I don't want there to be a stumbling block on your faith. I want you to, I want you to be free in your faith. Number one, I want you to see in the story tonight, I want you to see number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, don't allow the old person to mess up your new purpose. Don't allow your old person to mess up your new purpose. Now, this is so interesting. I thought about, I should preach this on Sunday morning. But for some odd reason, I felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to share it with you tonight. This would have been a perfect Sunday morning message, but hey, I'm going to give all the, sh- I'm going to give all the sheep all the hay tonight, so you won't get it all. So number one, don't allow your old person to mess up your new purpose. This is what's so exciting. You ready for it? Go back to Luke chapter 22, verse 31, and listen to what Jesus says here. Luke 22, verse 31, look at the phrase. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, stop, stop. I just read to you in John chapter 1, verse 42. Now, I know John is after Luke, but the scripture, I mean, we, we put it in that order. It wasn't necessarily written in that order. So, I just read to you in John 1, 42, that Simon's name was changed to who? Come on, church, help me out. His name was changed to who? His name was changed to Peter. Why is Jesus... This is so good. Because look at verse 34. Luke 22, 34. The same chapter, a few verses down. Jesus refers to him as Peter now. Luke 22, 34. And he said, I tell you, Peter. Why did Jesus refer to Peter to his old name? Verse 31. Jesus refers to Peter to his old name. His old name is Simon. Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter, which means rock or stone. Why is Jesus referring to Peter in his old name? Simon, Simon. Why didn't he say Peter, Peter? Why did he he say Simon, Simon? Because it's a principle that I believe that the Holy Spirit wants you to see tonight, and that is this. No matter how strong Peter may be, you still have an old Simon inside of you. Somebody say amen. No matter how strong Peter may be, you have an old Simon inside of you. Peter is the rock. Peter is the leader. Peter is anointed. Peter has a calling. But Simon represents his old nature that the Lord removed from, uh, changed him from Simon to Peter. Simon represents his old nature. And no matter how strong you may be as Peter, you always got to remember you have a Simon to deal with. And Jesus is saying, listen, I know you're called, I know you're appointed, I know you're supposed to be a rock, I know you're Peter, but let me remind you, Simon, Simon, there's something you've got to wrestle with, that is that old nature. And you've got to be careful that the old person don't mess up the new purpose that God has for you. Somebody say amen. Don't allow the old person to mess up the new purpose in your life. Don't allow Simon to mess up Peter. In your life, every one of you got that Simon inside of you. Every one of you got a war between Simon and Peter. 
Peter wants to serve God and wants to do great exploits on God, but Simon wants to cuss somebody out. Can I hear an amen? There's that war between Simon and Peter. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm praying for you, Simon. I am praying for that old self. Is there anybody in the building that can lift up your hand and say, thank God, he's praying that I don't revert to my old self. I don't want you to go to your old self. Simon, Simon, I'm praying for you that you don't revert back to your old life. Jesus is praying for the Simon inside of you. He's praying for the Simon inside of you. Number two, not only don't allow your old person to mess up the new purpose, but number two, God will give you divine, God will give divine permission for a demonic design, but He will already equip you for victory. God will give divine permission for a demonic design, but He will already equip you for victory. Now go back to the text. The Bible says in Luke 22 and verse number 31, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. Satan has asked for you. Point two, God will give divine permission for a demonic design, but at the same time, he will equip you for victory. So Satan had to ask permission here. Look at it, Luke 22, 31. Satan is asking for permission to sift Peter as wheat. He's asking permission. The point that I want to make out to you is the point that I want to make to you is this. If Satan has to ask permission to afflict you, then God at the same time has already given you the power to overcome it. That's shouting territory right there. If Satan has to ask permission to afflict you, then God has already designed victory on the other side. I'm reminded of the old old story of Job, one of the first books of the Old Testament that was written. Job, if you go to Job chapter 1, Job chapter 1, I want you to see something very interesting here that I think holds great water tonight. Are you with me? Shout, I'm with you. Are you with me tonight? Say, I'm with you. Job chapter number 1, I want you to see here, and I've never seen this before, but I think this is so very, very important that you see Job chapter 1, and you'll see that there is a discussion between Satan and God in the heavenlies. You know verse number 6, Job chapter 1 verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also come among them. That is verse number 6, okay? And then verse number 7, And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro throughout the whole earth, walking back and forth. Verse 8, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, blameless and upright man, who fears God and shuns evil? Verse 9, So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Now look at verse 10. Satan says, Have you made a hedge around him about his household, Around about every, on every side. You have blessed the work of his hands, his possessions, and increased in the land. Now stop here. Satan says to God, have you not made a hedge around him? Have you not made a hedge around him? Now let me say that again. Satan says to God Almighty, have you not made a hedge around him? Which stands to reason, how, how in the world did Satan know there was a hedge around him unless Satan was trying to get through the hedge? How did Satan know there was a hedge around Job 
unless Job had been trying to get in the hedge or break the hedge. How did he know there was a hedge? Because he was trying to get in the hedge. He was trying to break through the hedge, which stands to reason that Job was asking permission to afflict Job. But we do know that even though permission was given, God had already designed Job to have victory in the end. My point is this, that God sometimes will give divine permission for things to happen, but at the same time, He will give you the victory on the other side. He has already equipped you for the victory. So if you're in a storm tonight, if you're in the cave tonight, if you're in the valley tonight, if you're in the fire tonight, guess what? You've already been equipped for victory. You've already been equipped for victory. Hallelujah. Can somebody shout, praise God. You've already been equipped for victory. I don't know about you, but I just feel a praise in the building tonight. I'm thanking God for victory. Hallelujah! Can we just stand to our feet right now and thank God for victory? It's already done. We prophesy victory. We declare victory. I said we declare victory. It's already done. Hallelujah! It's already done. So if there's a yes to the attack, you've already been equipped for victory. Number three. Number three. Hallelujah. Sister Kathy, this, this, I get really excited. <laughs> David, I was thinking about you for some reason, point number three, so I want your thoughts after this, okay? So, number three. God provides the answer before Satan presents the problem. Y'all ready for this? Everybody just shout number three out with me. You ready? Everybody just say it with me. God. Okay, you ready for it? Luke chapter 22. This is what I found. Luke 22, 32. Get this. God provides the answer before Satan what? Presents the problem, right? Look at 32. He says, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you return to me, oh, I think this side, God, I don't know about you all. God provides the answer before Satan presents the problem. Look what happens. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you return to me, not if you return, Peter, but when you return, I'm giving you a promise, Peter, you're going to mess up. You're going to deny me. You're not even going to be there at the crucifixion. You're going to really fall flat on your face. But I'm prophesying right now, Peter, the answer. You're going to come back to me even though you're going to be afflicted. Woo, somebody say amen. So the point of it is, God provides the answer before Satan presents the problem. God knows that the problem's getting ready to happen to Peter, but God is saying, listen, I'm going to prophesy deliverance in the present before the attack happens in the future. Hallelujah. 
Jesus prophesies the deliverance in the present before the attack happens in the future. Before the problem comes, he's saying, when you return. Before the sickness comes, he says, when you return. Come on, somebody. Before the marriage falls apart, he says, when you return. I'm giving you a promise. It's not if it's going to happen. When you return, I promise you, you're coming back. You're coming back, Peter. The enemy's going to sift you. He's going to try to destroy you. He's going to bring you down. But the promise is, is the answer, you're going to return to me. Hallelujah. Somebody praise God. And some of you need just to tell the devil, I am not going to stay in this mess. I take authority over this mess. I prophesy deliverance in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter what the enemy brings against me. It doesn't matter how he tries to sift me and my family. I thank the Lord. The promise is, I'm going to make it. I'm going to come through. I'm going to... Somebody say amen. God presents the answer before Satan presents the problem. And then he says, he says, verse 32, he says, and when you return, I want you to strengthen your brother. Because Peter, your qualification to be in the ministry is not because you have a degree behind your name. The qualification of your ministry, Peter, is because you have went through some things. When you are sifted as wheat, when you have went through the process, you are now qualified to strengthen your brother. When you go through something, that gives you the qualification to strengthen your brother. What do we learn from this? We learn that number one, we learn number one, that we cannot allow our old person to mess up your new purpose. There's a battle between Peter and Simon. You can allow Simon to mess up your new purpose. Number two, you learn that in this story that sometimes there is a divine permission given. God gives a divine permission for things to happen, but He also equips you for the victory. Number three, we learn that God provides the answer before Satan presents the problem. We also learn that when you go through something, God will give you the ability to strengthen your brother. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what happens. He says, Simon, Simon, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you, Simon. I have prayed for you that your faith would fail not. Verse 31, and he said to them, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for all of you. Satan is after all of you. But verse 32, but I'm only praying for you, Peter. Because you're the rock. You're the leader. And if Satan can get to you, Peter, he can get to the rest of them. If the shepherd is struck down, the sheep will be scattered. Because that's what the devil does, folks. The devil scatters, God gathers. And anytime the church is divided, and it's, not, it's scattered, and it's not gathered, there is no anointing to that. The anointing is present when we gather in His name, not scattered in His name. And that's what the devil wants to do to the church is scatter us and divide us and put division between us. That's the work of the devil. Anytime there's church splitting over stupid stuff, that's the work of a demonic spirit. It's the work of a demonic spirit. God's purpose is not for us to be divided. You may not like church. You may not like how church is ran. Well, guess what? You need to be a part of a church that you don't like everything. Because it perfects 
holiness inside of you. It perfects sanctification inside of you. It causes us to learn and to grow when things don't go our way. God wants you to be a part of a church that you don't always like everything that goes on. As long as it's not illegal, unethical, or immoral, then we're called to be planted. Simon, Simon, Satan is indeed one to sift you, sift you as wheat. He wants to shake you. He wants to trouble you. He wants to block your faith. But I have prayed for you, Peter. Jesus tonight, in closing, is the great high priest. He stands before God and He makes intercession for us. He is the great high priest. Jesus is the prophet who came to show us the way. Jesus is the priest. He intercedes on our behalf. One day we will crown Him as King. He is prophet, priest, and King. I have prayed for you. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying Jesus is praying for the Simon inside of you. Oh, I know you're Peter. You're strong. You have a calling. But there's a Simon inside of you that the Lord is praying for. He's praying for the Simon inside of you. That Simon that wants to give up. There's some folks tonight that we don't see in church as often as we used to. It's Simon. Let's pray for the Simon inside of them. The enemy desires to sift him as wheat. Oh, you've seen the Peter. The Peter's been up here praying. Peter's been on the floor. Peter's been sick in the Lord. But there's a Simon people are dealing with. But aren't you glad tonight that Jesus is praying for the Simon inside of all of us? Somebody say amen.